So we will look through, and there's several places where God really met with people on the rooftop and, and made a change in their life. And we saw those four friends of the first week that we went through, and we saw that rooftop renovation where they just tore the roof off to be able to get to Jesus Christ. And to be completely honest with you, that is what it's all about, is getting somebody to Jesus Christ. If we have to tear some things up, sometimes we just need to be able to get them to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can make repairs later on if we need to. But it's all about getting them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest with you, the amazing thing is when they took that roof off and let their friend down and he was healed, he was sitting there at the feet of Jesus Christ. And oh my, we can get, on, get started on a whole other series talking about people that spent time at the feet of Jesus Christ. You think about that, boy, what do you think about Jarius, the, the, the ruler there? Boy, he would tell you that, hey, my little girl was dead. They told me not to worry Jesus Christ anymore. But when I got at the feet of Jesus Christ and I begged God to help me, Jesus Christ made the difference in my little girl's life. What kind of difference? He brought her from death unto life. Glory to God. When you think about that, Brother Earl, it excites you because that's the same thing he did for me. Is that he brought me from death under life. And I'm so thankful that we have. And if you're saved and blood-bought Christian, then he's done the same thing for you. We look at those people that were there and, and that wild man that actually come out of the tombs and he fell at the feet of Jesus and made all the difference in the world to that man. Why? Because he had those demons that were there and those demons that had control over his body and people had tried to put fetters on him and chains on him and tried to keep him there in that area, but nobody could keep him there. But then God showed up on the scene. <laughs> Hallelujah. God showed up in a great and powerful and mighty way. And Jesus Christ was able to release him from those demons. And he was able. And they, and they saw him how? Clothed and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Boy, what an amazing statement to be able to see that, that we have. Then you see Jairus, you think about that woman, that the, uh, the, the man that was there uh, uh, released to those demons. And then you also see Mary at the feet of Jesus, washing the Savior's uh, feet. God is sitting there uh, uh, helping her along, and he was washed, and he was cleansed, and he was brought. Those people were brought out by the glory of God. And, and I think, without a shadow of a doubt, that we need to bring more people to the feet of Jesus. We need to do more that we can. And then we also, we can consider Peter as he was on the rooftop. And he was uh, getting, on, getting into a trance and he began to see a, a vision that God had given to him. And that experience with God that was on the rooftop. And this has completely just turned his world upside down. And God opened a wonderful door that the gospel would be preached openly to the Gentile people. I say, amen, praise God, glory to God, that that took place in that time. And I also say, praise God, that we all get to enjoy barbecue now. Hallelujah. We'll get some speedy pig on the way home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We might just dismiss and go home now. No, but then we go ahead and we see that God changed the life of another lady that was in the wrong, wrong world. <laughs> My, how when God gets a hold of somebody's life, that changes their world and changes the complete direction of their life. 
This young lady was headed in the wrong way. This young lady was doing all the wrong things. But then she recognized that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, uh, they were the ones that were, he was the one that was providing these ways. He was the one that was opening the, uh, the doors for these people to be able to come and to conquer. And, and she said that our hearts do faint because of the God that you serve. Not because of the people that was in Israel. Not because of their great army, because I really believe that they didn't have too much great uh, 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 armed things. They didn't have that great armament, but praise God that they had God on their side. But then we come to our text tonight. I want you to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter number 8. Look with me in verse number 13. And on the second day, we're gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, Unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Boy, we need to get back to the basics right there. The people of God were just really wanting to just say, Hey, we, we, we understand, we've heard the word, but we need to understand it. We want to hear what God really truly has to say. And they found written, verse number 14, in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should, be, should dwell in booze in the feast of the seven months. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booze as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them, and look at this, and made them booze, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts. And in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booze and sat under the booze. For since the days of Yeshua, that's Joshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And I love this. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, uh, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you'd help us, God, right now. Lord, we thank you for what we felt. Lord, already, God, we thank you for the great songs that have been sung. Lord, the congregation singing uh, their heart, God, who are singing to you. Lord, I beg you, God, that you just touch each and every one that is in the congregation tonight. God, we thank you for the special that was sung. And God, we can just lift both hands and say, God, you are good. That you have been so good to each and every one of us. God, that you're good to us because we've opened our eyes this morning. God, we're breathing the air that you've provided. And God, we're able to come to the house of God. Lord, to be able to worship you, spend time in the house of God and fellowship with one another. God, I pray you'd help, God, the reading of your word. God, I pray you'd bless it. God, I pray you'd help me. God, use me in a great and mighty way for your honor, for your glory. Not that men would see me, but God, that they would see you shining through me. Lord, I love you and I praise you. And I thank you for your son that died on a cross, that I might have eternal life, that I might have salvation, God. I pray that you'd help us tonight. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. 
So in our text, we looked through, we already talked about how we had gone through those four men, the four friends that brought their friend, and, and, and that was one rooftop, and then we brought another man that was uh, Peter along the aside, and then we had another lady, Rahab, that hid, hid those spies. But here in our text, we don't have a specific person that we have, but we have a group of people that needed to return to the absolute basics of worshiping God and going forth and trusting what God has to say. They needed a revival to take place in their life. I'm going to say this, Brother Richard. I believe with all of my heart that the people of America, the people all over this world, but especially the people of America, need a revival to take place all over this land. We need a revival to sweep across our land from our houses, and it has to start in each and every one of our own hearts. We can't say, boy, it needs to start in their house, and it needs to start at that house, or boy, if the church, or if the pastor would just really get us together and really get us something going. No, if you look for revival in your heart, then God, those embers of revival, will start to spread all over. And I believe with all of my heart that Harvest Baptist Tabernacle can have a great revival to be able to see souls saved, to be able to see young men called to preach the word of God. And I believe that with all of my heart. That's what we need more than anything else. And what the word of God said, and when, the, when God inspired the word of God, he really still means it today. As a matter of fact, he hasn't changed anything. To be honest with you, when we look at the word of God, what God said there is uh, he hasn't changed his mind. Society has not influenced God to, to be a little more liberal or more accepting of the, friend, of the sins that are brought out and on display in the world today. Uh, God is still saying that that stinks in my nostrils. God is still saying that that is an abomination to me. God is still saying that the penalty for that is death and separation from Him. God is still saying that eternal flames of hell are made uh, for the devil and his demons, but those that do not uh, make Sure that, make sure that they trust Christ as their Savior, that they will have to spend that a place in, he, in hell. But I thank God that God has given us an out and has given us a redemption and has given us salvation that we might be able to go to a wonderful place called heaven. But society hasn't influenced God. The influencers, I, I, say, I, I, I laugh at these news stories that I hear all the time. An influencer is doing this. Well, they're only going to influence you if you actually pay attention to them. Help me, Lord. I'm going to get in trouble. The influencers are, are not ones that are changing the Word of God, the settled Word of God. The governments have not moved the needle for the Word of God. Nothing is going to ever move the Word of God because simply in Psalm 119 it says that forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. And I thank God that we can't get up there and try to change anything. And I thank God that those that are there don't want to change anything. And God has already settled all of these things. And I'm so thankful that His Word has not changed. I can go back to His Word every time. Brother Joe, I can make sure that I can, I can preach the Word of God one time and it doesn't change from the last time that I've preached it. The last time that I read the Word of God, it's still saying the same thing. It's still the same message. What is the message? Come, O ye that are weary and, and, and heavy laden, and He will give us rest. Come those that need salvation and come to Him and fall at His feet and ask for forgiveness. God is going to be able to do that for us. And then when we look in the book of Nehemiah, we understand that Nehemiah here has is, is had to start rebuilding a, a Jerusalem from scratch. Now, from the very get-go. Now, I'll be honest with you. We may not think that that's such a difficult thing right now, 
Because we have tractors and we have big trucks and we have all of these machineries that we can do all these sort of things. But back then they didn't have that. Back then they actually had to take those stones that were torn down and they had to remove them so new foundations could be laid. They had to remove some of those things out of the way so they could go forward. And I'll be honest with you, the people were weary from the journey. They had been in captivity. And here the people have worked hard to rebuild the wall and they've protected one another from the attacks from within and and without. They've protected one another. But they were thirsty. (laughs) We need some thirsty people in this world. It was Jesus Christ that said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. That verse is still in the Bible. That verse is still a promise that God gives to those that are hungry and thirsty. But when they had completed the wall, they had a revival that took place. And I believe with all my heart that revival can still take place here in Georgia. You say, boy, everything's going wrong. But God's still on the throne. Yes, but don't you know that this has happened and this person is now in power, but God is still on the throne. But this person is doing this and this group of people are doing this, but God is still on the throne. God is still saving sinners. God is still calling young people to preach the word of God and to go out into the highways and to the byways. Thankfully that we have the the word of God that never changes, the God that never changes. And I'm thankful that we have, that with every dawning of a revival, there is a desire for the word of God. We got to get back to the Word of God. We've got to make sure that we're not going to the opinions of man, but what God thinks about the subject. What, what we need to make sure is, is not what this preacher or that preacher or this person or this personality that they say about it. We need to see what God has to say about it. And when they had done all those things, they begin to look forward to. And I'll be honest with you, when they look to the Word of God, that's when revival could take place. Why? Because the Word of God is at the central, and is the central theme of every revival that you could ever look through in the, in the scope of time. How is it from Josiah, the time that Josiah, the people of God, were revived at that time? Why? Because they found the Word of God. Why was it that Hezekiah was able to have a revival during his time? Because of the Word of God. Why was it that the Reformation took place and people began to come back into a a central Word of God? Because the Word of God was being preached. And today in the world, when we have great awakenings of this time and we've seen great revivals that take place, and I'm so thankful that we see that, but I'm looking forward. Why? Because we can see that the Word of God has not changed. And that's what happened, that when these people began to look to the Word of God and get on that rooftop and say, God, I'm ready to worship you like I was told to worship you. I'm not going to let anybody else hamper the way that I worship. It doesn't matter how other people feel. It doesn't matter what other people think about me. Hey, if somebody thinks that you're crazy because you lift your hand, lift the other one, praise God. I'm just that crazy. We're going to look through these and we see these uh, uh, men that we need to hear that they're preaching the word of God and not opinion and not looking forward to, to, to what this talk about this and that talk about that. But we need preachers to be able to stand boldly with, with the Holy Spirit of God that's upon them and to be able to, to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. They have to be established. They have to be exalted. They have to be expressed every word of the God, of every word of God. But if you look with me uh, real quickly, you look at verse number one in chapter number eight in Nehemiah with me. If you look at this verse, we begin to see an assembly that took place. 
And what is that assembly? In the beginning of the chapter, we see an assembly and there was a gathering of people that desired to hear the word of God. What is that? Nehemiah 8.1 says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. As one man. They begin to go in one mind and one accord. They begin to say, hey, I want to hear the word of God. You want to hear the word of God. And we want to get the preacher or the man of God to be able to come out and to be able to preach the word of God. And they gathered at one of those gates that has been reconstructed. The water gate. And now we all know exactly it is obvious what is going to be provided at the water gate. Water. Praise God. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Water is going to be provided at the water gate. Why? Because that's the way that people were able to get water to go in and out. But there's so much greater and so much of a a greater meaning behind that because every time that we look in the Word of God, the water is always a, a symbol of the Word of God. Water is always giving nutrients. Water is always refreshing something. God is always helping, and that's through the Word of God. But the greater water that was supplied on this day, there's Bible students that know that it is the symbol of the Word of God and and for the Word of God, and we have a hungry assembly that's waiting on the Word of God. But then look with me at their appeal in verse number eight, or chapter number eight, verse number one. They were stood before the water gate and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. And the, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Their appeal was to reach for, out to the scribe Ezra and request that he bring out the book. And this is just not any ordinary book. It's not the latest, greatest, best seller that's on the New York Times. It's not, or the Jerusalem Times, if you have it and during that time. It's not a book that was uh, uh, set aside to be able to say, boy, this is really going to change your life, or this is really going to make you really think about some really uh, amazing things, and it'll change your way of thinking. No, this was not that kind of book. It was the book of the law, which God had given to Moses. It was, glory to God, it was the same book that we have a portion of right now, and the greater yet, the book that we have, is a complete book. Their appeal was say, man of God, we won't, won't want to hear anybody's opinion. We just want to hear what the Word of God has to say. We just want to hear that God has uh, given us a thought behind everything that has taken place. And this was a good book, of re- not a good book of rep- re- recommendation. It was a good book of, the, uh, uh, of God's book and to be able to the holy book that the people of Israel were reading from and they were given commands of God from. And praise God, we have a book as well that we are given to how to worship and how to be saved and how to know Jesus Christ and how to know people uh, how people can know God even better. It's the inerrant, inspired, infallible, unchanging Word of God. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that is the book for me. That is the wonderful book that God has given to each and every one of us. But then you see the announcement. Look with me in verse number 3. And he read therein before the street that was... Before the water gate from, I like this, the morning until midday. Hallelujah. And look at this even better. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Ezra began to preach the word of God and began to teach the word of God. And there was there at the water gate and they were receiving that fresh and nourishing and satisfying word from the Lord. And notice that uh, Ezra's length from morning to midday. 
and nobody looked at their watch. That's amazing to me. I'll be honest. Brother Richard, that don't happen, praise God, in Baptist churches. (laughs) Oh my, people are already starting to think about it. I'm sorry I done put it in your mind. Years ago, Brother Jerry, I was, I was preaching one time, and, and I, was, I was just going, and God was helping, and God was using, and, and, and a guy was sitting in the back of the church, and he turned around, and he looked at the clock that was hanging on the wall, and then he looked at me, he made eye contact, I just kept on preaching, and he turned around, he looked at the clock on the wall again, and he made eye contact with me. I kept on preaching. He looked a third time, and he looked at me, and I'll be honest with you, Brother Earl, I don't know if it was in the Lord or not. It probably wasn't. But I said, if you've got somewhere to be, and you've got something to do, you can head on. But right now, we're just listening to the Word of God. He didn't come back. But he didn't leave either, praise God. So, uh, you get through that, and boy, the Ezra, Ezra's preaching, and, and the more, uh, more importantly, you look at the response that these people were given. The response that was given was attentiveness. Now, if you look real closely in the, in the Word of God, and when you begin to look into the Hebrew language, there's not a, really a word for uh, attentiveness, but there is a, a phrase that is given that gives the idea that their ear, uh, the ears of all the people were to the book. The word picture. I'm listening. What you've got to say. Hallelujah. Boy, have you ever got down on your knees? Got down on your face? And just put your face in the word of God. Get close and say, God, whatever you've got for me right now. God, whatever it is that you can open my eyes to, whatever it is that's going on in my life that that you can help me with, God, I am listening, I'm attentive, my ear is to the book, I'm paying attention. And we were hanging and they were hanging on every word that Ezra had to say. But then you look at the analysis that they had to say. So important that the people feel that the word of God needed to be preached and that, that they erected a special platform, a special place to have it read and to have it taught. We still use them today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel like preaching tonight. If y'all, y'all just help me, praise God, it'll be 8 o'clock before long. We still use them. <laughs> we still use them today. Boy, those pulpits of wood. That's the only instance that it's actually, the word is actually called a pulpit. Is the only instance here in Nehemiah. When you begin to look through and you look for a pulpit, but thank God that we begin to see uh, uh, there were times and there were high lifted places up and, and every other place. Is, and a lot of those times of 50 times, that word is actually used migdal. And that, actually, uh, that word is actually used there whenever Jesus got into the boat and began to push out a little bit. He used that boat as a migdal. He used that vote as a way to be able to preach the word of God and to tell forth and thank God that we still use these old pulpits and we get behind those old pulpits of wood and we begin to preach the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God begins to touch the people because you hear from the word of God it's not what the man is saying it's not what the preacher is saying but it is the very word of God that is helping us, it's the very word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that begins to use those people that stand behind a pulpit and thank God that the analysis was boy that's so important that we need to have a special place and we still do it to this day boy those times it is so important is raise that raise that platform to be able to 
preach the word of God. But then lastly, you see an action. What is the action? Any time that the people of God get real with God and God makes a difference in somebody's life, there's going to be action that takes place. You're not ever going to get into a Holy Spirit-filled meeting and leave the change the same way, unchanged. You get into a Word of God, you get into a service where the Word of God is really being used and where the Holy Spirit of God is touching people, then that is going to be an absolutely amazing thing. And and when revival takes place in the hearts of people, there's going to be an action that they're going to do. And some went on that roof to meet God and opened their hearts to be able to submit to the Word of God. And it was on display that they said, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do. I didn't know that that's what the Word of God told me to do. But now that I've heard and now that I know what the Word of God is telling me to do. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. The Word of God is used in a great and a mighty way any time that there's a revival that takes place. Now in the next 20 minutes or less, we'll be able to go through and say, what began to happen to those people when they got through and they heard the Word of God and they heard the Word of God preached and Ezra began to make a difference in their life? Well, the very first thing that I see, Dad, is simply this, that the Word of God was revered. Boy, they respected it. They decided there's something special about that book. Something special about what's going on. Look at with me in verse number 16. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. Everyone upon the roof of this house. If the word of God commanded it, that's exactly what they were thinking. If the word of God commands it, that I need to be able to make a, a, a booth. If I need to be able to go and do this, then that is what I'm going to do. Boy, we live in a world right now that so many people say, well, just because the word of God says it doesn't mean we have to do it that way. May I stand behind a book board one more time with the Holy Spirit of God using us once again to say that thank God that we do have to stand on the Word of God. That the principles of the Word of God is what we must stand on. That's all that we have to stand on. And we must do what the Word of God tells us to do because this is still the same Word of God that we have today. Be honest with you, you need to be weary of those men that come forth and they begin to cherry pick what they like and what they don't like from the Word of God. Be, be very leery of those men that say, oh, I like this portion and I can apply this part to my life, but I don't like that portion and I'm not going to apply it to my life. I've heard all sorts of things today, how people are trying to change the Word of God and twist the Word of God. I've heard people say, well, that's not really what the Word of God means. I'm here to tell you that what the Word of God has said is exactly what the Word of God means. I'm here to tell you that we need to respect the Word of God, revere the Word of God, be thankful that we have the Word Word of God and make sure that we go forth and push out and say that it is God and His Word that we are preaching. It was just like Paul in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 27, for I have not a son to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's what men will try to do these days. They'll try to pick and choose what they want, but thank God that we have people that will stand boldly behind the pulpit and will stand boldly on the Word of God and say that yes, this is what the Word of God says and this is what the Word Word of God means. And it doesn't matter man's opinion. It doesn't matter the world's opinion. It doesn't matter what the, everybody else is doing. It is simply this, that the Word of God is true. Boy, we need men to come, to come back and say, thus saith the Lord. 
We, we need more sermons preached out of the Word of God and less self-help sermons. Now, I'm preaching to a Wednesday night crowd at Harvest Baptist Tabernacle, and we don't know what, you're, what I'm talking about because we don't get those self-help sermons. We get a daily dose, or we get a weekly dose of the fact that God is giving the Word of God uh, to our pastor, and the pastor is preaching the unadulterated Word of God. We don't, but there are people all over this world that do not get what we get. Boy, and the Word of God is, is respected. Why? How is it that we can see this? Well, number one, they opened the Word of God. See, Nehemiah chapter number 8, verse number 14 says, And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses. Now, now this is deep. Y'all get a hold of your seat. And hold on to something. Maybe you want to hold on to your neighbor. Some of you guys that were kissing your wife later, you might want to hold on to her earlier. You may want to hold on to her for just a minute. Because this is real deep. Be careful, Michael. Be careful. In order to find something in the Word of God, you have to open the Word of God. That was profound. Come on, help me out. That was profound. In order to find something in the Word of God, you have to open the Word of God. I've seen so many people, Brother Shane, that say, I just haven't know, I don't know what God wants me to do, and I don't know where to go, and what happened in here, and, and I don't know what we think about this, and what do you think I'm going to do? Have you, have you consulted the Word of God? Have you asked the Word of God? Have you asked God to open your heart that you might be able to see some great and mighty things in His Word? Open the Word, and, and when you open the Word, it will be an open fountain of life. And as we fight the wiles of the devil every day, we need to have a daily dose of the Word of God. And we need to respect that Word of God. Open that Word of God. I love this verse in Psalm 119. Verse number 18 says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. It's an amazing verse. Why? Because, and that's a prayer that I pray every day, and I, and I want to encourage you. Think about it. When you open the Word of God, sometimes you just, you just and, and, and don't just do one of these. Please, don't do that. But just take the word, get, get the word, get ready and start praying and say, God, will you open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. That I might behold what you have in store for me. Because I guarantee you that if you start praying that prayer, that God is going to show you. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes he shows you some things that you probably didn't want to see. Sometimes it's It's hurtful. But God will open. But listen to this. Why was it they revered? Why did they revere the word of God? It is also because they obeyed the word of God. If we open it and begin to see and we don't apply it, what good has that done to us? And they obeyed the word of God. They did exactly what the word of God was telling them. So the people went forth and brought forth and made them booze. Oh, that we would open our hearts and see the greatness of the word of God. But then begin to to say, God, open my heart that I can see. But God, teach me. I love this. In Psalm 119, I will read these verses to you. In Psalm 119, verse number 12, it says, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With With my lips have I declared all the judgments of my mouth. I have... I have rejoiced in the way that thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts. I have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Later on in Psalm 119, it tells us that I'll hide, my, hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against 
Him, open our eyes and obey the Word of God that we may know that what God has in store for us that we can abundantly receive from Him. Boy, it's a, it's a revered, the Word was revered, but look at this. Number two, the worship was restored. Verse number 17, this is all taking place because some people got together and started reading through the Word of God and they put some booze on their rooftop and said, God, I want to meet with you. Not anybody else. And this is real interesting here. And all the congregation. Not a few of them. Not the ones that were just holier than thou. Not the ones that thought that they could do something a little better than anybody else. But all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity uh, made booze. And sat under the booze. For since the days of Jeshua or Joshua, the son of Nun, unto the day, unto that day, had not the children of Israel done so. So this is a long time. You mean to tell me that these the people of God have not been doing this for that long? Well, that's what the Word of God is telling us. And this feast was commanded by God uh, back when Moses brought the people out of Israel. He was commanding them uh, uh, that, that they would remember how God had brought them out of Egypt. Do you want to know a little more about this feast of the booze uh, uh, booth that you can read? You read uh, Leviticus chapter number 23. You start in about verse number 39. And I think it goes to the end of the chapter, verse number 44. But you begin to look at that. And, and it's the feast of the booze that they had restored the worship to God. And they had said, I understand that this is something that we are told to do. And and I'm going to do it. Boy, boy, that we just go through the word of God, Brother Earl, and begin to say, God, if you say it, then that's what I'm going to do. I, I, boy, this is, this is difficult tonight cause, because there's a lot of times that we don't want to do what God's word really tells us to do. Sometimes it hits us right here. Sometimes we say, oh, that's an easy one. Oh, we can, we, we can do that. But you ain't ever had that problem before. Until the word of God hits you with what you've had the problem with. Oh, aren't we having fun? Praise God. Where that, that conviction begins to take place in, in your life. Boy, the, that brings together, boy, that they begin to see what is it that worship is restored. But why that worship? What kind of worship was restored? The fact that God would provide for them. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus chapter number 23, verse number 43 says it this way, that your generations may know that I am made, uh, that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booze when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And He provided. He said, you are the ones that are going to do this for us. It was, the, it was God that made the people the way for the people of Israel. It was God that provided that way, that pathway through the play, uh, place called the Red Sea. It was God that provided a provision in the wilderness called manna. It was God that provided a protection in the cloud uh, in a way to be able to he, he, uh, provide heat at night and light at night and to be able to provide a shade during the daytime and, and help them from that. It was God that provided a physician whenever they needed, whenever those serpents and fiery serpents were coming along. It was God that gave Moses the insight to be able to make this thing. And all you have to do is look and live. Praise God that we have that. It was God that provided every need that the people of God had. It was by His power that this was all done. God provided every 
way for it. And then you see in, in, in verse number uh, 17 of Isaiah, or ne, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter number 8, verse number 17. At the end of that verse, there's one little phrase that jumped out to me. And there was very great gladness. Now when we begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, it's going to change some things. And it's going to make some things it's going to make some really very great gladness. How is that great gladness that we have? Well, I, I, I think about this wonderful thought that when true worship is restored, that the people of God that return to what He commanded, there's going to be gladness. I looked up that word gladness. What does it really mean? Well, it really means some bliss, blissomeness. It's actually just be blissful, uh, to be gleeful. Now, I, I had already preached one time and embarrassed myself all over this platform one time, and I told you what the word really, to glee, really means to be, and I, and I taught you that. And, and, and my wife is... She told me, don't ever do that again. Y'all remember when I was saying that, that you're so happy, that you're so gleeful, that you just, you're just kind of spinning around and you're happy and you just don't, you're skipping across there. She said, you shouldn't ever skip across the platform of the church ever again. Mainly because it took like six minutes for me to stop. But, hey, we look at this and, and that's what the Word of God is saying, that there was very... Great gladness. That glee that they just couldn't help themselves. They couldn't, they, they couldn't express it because they were so happy. Have you, have you ever... Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've heard some of you that's been so happy and God has blessed so much that you just you couldn't express it with words. Now, I'm, 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 I'm grateful, Brother Steve. There's the people that get out there and they begin to say, Amen, glory to God, hallelujah. Those are great. I love to hear that. It's wonderful to see. But then there's some people like Sister Kathy... And my mama. And there's some others that just, they can't express it with words. Now, I don't, I don't mean to embarrass anybody, and I don't think I'm going to embarrass Sister Kathy, because y'all have all seen her shout before, hallelujah. Now, I'll be honest with you. My mom's taken me by surprise a couple times. Especially when you're a kid, and you're sitting in the row in front of her. And then God moves, and all of a sudden there's a, That's a gleefulness. That's a very great gleefulness that you can't express any other way. And we can't do anything else. But thank God that there's sometimes where we just can't do anything better than just say, Glory to God, hallelujah, amen. Whoop! Sometimes that we have to just express ourselves in that way. And I looked at that word, very means exceeding. Uh-oh. It's getting better. That, mean, that word great means substantial. So that means an exceeding substantial gleefulness was upon, upon these people. We need to have an exceeding substantial gleefulness to come upon the people of God. That the Holy Spirit of God come and sweep across us. That there's something inside of us that we just can't do anything. We don't need to hear anything else. All we need to hear is from the Word of God. All we need to do is hear the preaching of the Word of God. All we need to do is to lift our hands in praise to God. And to be able to say like they sung earlier, glory to God. God, you have been so good. Thank God for His goodness. He's been great to us. Boy, I, I began to think, well that, that 
that kind of reminds me of something. That reminds me of a New Testament verse. In Ephesians chapter number 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know what I think, Brother Jerry? I think that the people of Israel got a New Testament truth. <laughs> right then. And it got them so excited. I'm sorry, baby, I'm skipping across the church again. <laughs> That they got a hold of something so great, so wonderful, that they couldn't express themselves. And thank God that they got a hold of that truth. And now we can get a hold of the truth of God and begin to say, glory to God, hallelujah, whoop, needs to go right there. I'm thankful that we have every time that we can go and see that truth and get excited with the gladness of the Holy Spirit of God and God Almighty in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm, i got to hurry, i got to hurry because I know I'm, I'm stressing your time, taking your time. There's a walk that was revived. A walk that was revived. Look with me in verse number 18. Also day by day. From the first day into the last. He read in the book of the law of God. Thank God he's using that book. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly. According unto the manner. It's great to see revival take place. Boy, I've been in a few places where God really moved. I've been in some of those places where, where it really truly, as the old term and some of the, some of the uh, more elder people used to tell me, it gets plum foggy. I've been in some of those places where it was plum foggy. God moved in such a great way. But I've also been told by some wise men, wait a few months and see if it was really revival. Why? Because if God was in it, God does a lasting work. God is going to do something great. God is going to do something amazing. And, and wise, those wise men too, boy, it's going to have, if God has his hands on it, it's going to be a lasting effect. Why? What, what, what made this so amazing for them? Because they were dedicated. Look at the first part of verse number 18. I'm, I'm winding down. And also day by day, in the first day into the last day, he read in the book of the law, there was, there was much inconvenience to observe this feast. Now can you imagine that all of these people have, have just come across and they have come out of captivity and they've last spent the last 52 days plus to be able to build this wall and to be able to get their houses all back in order and to be able to get all of this right back in. What they, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, how many of you like to go tent camping? One hand, praise God. Oh, two hands. Two hands. I'm going to be honest with you. I was told a long time ago when I married my wife, she thinks camping is a hotel without an indoor pool. <laughs> and it's true. If it don't have an indoor pool, she don't want to go there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You get to know Sister Heather better. Amen. But, but they were saying, they just finished all of these things, but now you're going to go spend some time in a tent? But Nehemiah, we just finished the wall. We just finished all this. No, they weren't. They were saying, I... I heard the word of God. I respect the word of God. I want to restore the worship of God. And I want to make sure that my walk is restored. And brought back as well. Boy, a walk is revived. I want to be dedicated. They just finished all these things. Restored and seen. Now they're commanded to observe this. 
But their dedication did something else. Their dedication did this. It, it directed them. If you're dedicated to the Word of God, you're dedicated to Jesus Christ, you will have direction. Why? Because you're seeking every day. What does it say? Also day by day, from the first day unto the last. They didn't say halfway. They didn't say, oh, I'll do it for a couple of days. No, they spent the dedicated time that they were supposed to spend. And they had direction. And look at it at the end of that verse. It says, on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to the manner. Their dedication gave them direction. They looked for what was ahead. As the people of God, we have some great things to look forward to. I get to see loved ones that have already gone on. I get to see my pawpaw, grandmother. I get to see grandparents that I've never seen, never even had an opportunity to meet. I get to see some family members that have already gone on the other side. But the greatest, the greatest thing is that I get to see Jesus. The greatest thing is that I get to see Jesus Christ, the one that died for me, the one that gave his life for me, the one that uh, gave his all for me. And, and, and these people were willing to get out of their comfort zone to have a revival on the rooftop. I wonder if you're re- willing to get out of your comfort zone tonight. You're going to get out of that comfort zone and say, God, I'm willing, if, if, it, if you really want me to do that, if you're really commanding me to do that, if you really want me To do that for you. God I'm willing. They had a personal revival. And then they could come together collectively. And have revival in a meeting. Why? Because they had revival here first. They got with God. So I want to ask you this. Will you tonight seek. For personal revival. Will you tonight. Seek to place a priority on the things of God. No matter what it is going on. How is it that you can do your part in obeying God to see revival take place? Right here. For you. What is God speaking to you about tonight? Maybe it's time to have a revival on the rooftop with Him tonight. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you.